This is The Rational Perspective. I'm Alec Hogg. In this episode, General Motors' upbeat forecast surprises investors. The world's fourth largest motor manufacturer certainly bucked an otherwise gloomy trend on Friday, giving investors news that sent its share price soaring. By close of trade, the GM stock had gained 7% to over $37. That takes it back to where it traded before September's market meltdown. I've been getting a good feeling about the investability of GM stock, despite some obvious headwinds like the move to electric cars, which is killing off the internal combustion engine, and enormous efficiencies that are promised as self-driving vehicles cut the fleet of cars that we currently see on our roads. But if there's one major manufacturer which could back the depressing trend, not just because the shares are cheap or certainly offering value at its current level relative to assets, but also because they've been doing the right things It's Mary Barrow's outfit. This daughter of a GM lifer has put the company's survival at the center of her universe since she took over five years ago. And she's been staring down politicians, including her nation's own president, Donald Trump, by cutting costs and jobs to keep the business healthy and sustainable. Miss Barrow got a warm reception after GM's Investor Day at the New York Stock Exchange on Friday. And listening to her interview with David Weston immediately afterwards tells us why. But let's kick off first with Bloomberg's Carol Massar and her guests and a rather appropriate piece of music. Riding high, that's for sure. If you take a look at shares of General Motors, forget about doom and gloom. GM defying expectations, giving an upbeat forecast. And shares of GM, they are rallying big time. Their stock up more than 9%, Jason, at, at their high. So let's get into it with David Welch. He's Detroit Bureau Chief at Bloomberg News from our Detroit Bureau. We've also got Garrett Nelson, Senior Equity Research Analyst over at CFRA, uh, joining us on the phone from Richmond, Virginia. Hey, uh, kick it off for us, David. Um, Whoa, did you expect any of this from GM? No, and nobody did. Uh, this was uh, not only a big surprise uh, on the upside, but they're also talking about sales being pretty strong in the U.S. in 2019 and uh, and China being pretty stable as well. And, and nobody really thought that was going to happen. And you look at uh, all the, what all the other automakers have been saying, in addition to cutting costs, they've all been reigning in expectations. So I think, uh, I think the world thought, why would GM be any different? So uh, can I just ask you how do you how do you reconcile that? And let, let me just bring in Garrett also into this conversation. Garrett, how do you reconcile what I think we were expecting based on some of the other automakers and what we got today from General Motors? Well, I think time will tell. If you really look at the release, I think their market assumptions for 2019 are a bit overly optimistic. Uh, they're expecting flat sales in China for the year. Um, so our estimate is down 4% in China. And uh, just last month, the main trade uh, industry organization over there said that they don't expect their sales to rebound for about three years. So I think that's very uh, – it's kind of a very, very rosy outlook. And it's very important for GM, given that about 42% of their total worldwide vehicle sales come from China. 
looking at the U.S. market, and that's predominantly all of the profits for GM uh, last quarter was between 85 and 90 percent of the total profits for the company were from North America. Uh, they said they expect sales in the low 17 million vehicle range, which would be flattish to slightly down from 2018. We also think that's a little bit too optimistic. Um, our main concern there is that the consumer is getting a bit stretched as far as affordability. Mm. Monthly um, uh, car auto payments are at a record high, $530 a month. So um, we see sales in the U.S. down about 3.6% to 16.6 million vehicles uh, in 2019. So we think these, you really have to take, take a closer look at what they're saying here. And uh, I think it is a little, a little bit too optimistic. Right. Well, this is clearly a company that's in transformation, as both of you know. Our colleague David Weston caught up with GM CEO Mary Barr earlier today. So we've just heard the news about General Motors, uh, both respect to 19, uh, 2018 and 2019. I think surprising the upside. What happened? Well, I think this is a result of what we've been working on since the 2015 timeframe, you know, really working to transform the business, both the core business and also the investments we're making in the EV, AV, and connectivity. And we see all that coming to um, coming to fruition. We still have more work to do. That's why we made the difficult announcement we did uh, last um, at the end of last year. But we are focused on this transformation, make sure General Motors is strong, and really uh, demonstrating that even in a cyclical business, we can continue to deliver results. It's cyclical, it also is requiring a lot of investment right now as you go through this transformation to electric vehicles to also autonomous vehicles. Will you be able to maintain the situation where you can get the money you need to invest by saving money elsewhere? Because your earnings per share are up, actually, despite all the investment. Well, absolutely, and we are investing. And one of the the things that we did in this transformation is we're remixing our, our global product development. We've indicated that over the next few years, we will double the amount of, that is spent in EV and AV, but that's not added to, that's transitioning to. And we've actually found a lot of synergies in not only how we engineer, but also from a capital perspective. You know, we've made a lot of investments in crossovers, full-size trucks, our global family of vehicles. And so that's going to pay off, and that's investment that we can continue to leverage as we go forward. So that's what's allowing us over the, the near term to take the uh, billion and a half out of our capital so, so talk about electric vehicles for a moment. Uh, as I understand, you're going to have, I think it's 20 miles, no, 23 miles by 2020. Is that, no, 20, 20 miles by 2023. Correct. Got it right. Uh, Cadillac now we know is going to be your lead. Why? Well, Cadillac is our technology brand, and when we look at the technology in addition to EV that we're going to put on this vehicle, it's appropriate that Cadillac is our is our lead brand, and then you know we'll we'll fill out the portfolio that makes sense and be customer driven. But it, and it also is part, a very important part of rebuilding Cadillac and demonstrating that Cadillac is a true luxury brand. Uh, again, delighting customers with the technology and the and the electric experience. How does this fit with what you're doing in Cruise? Because when we've talked to Dan Ammon, he said that by 2019. This year, you will have some commercialized versions of autonomous vehicles. How does that fit with, for example, a Cadillac electric vehicle? Well, first of all, um, uh, we believe that all AVs, all autonomous vehicles, should be electric vehicles. And so that's a leveraging of the technology and the platform as well. We are working on the the, the rate of iteration that we're demonstrating, and 
uh, we just posted a really cool video yesterday, so if you haven't seen it for crews, and demonstrating how we continue to learn uh, new operations in the very dense and urban environment of San Francisco. So we will be gated by safety, and I think we've demonstrated in the past that we will make decisions to make sure our vehicles are safe, as we demonstrated with uh, Super Cruise. But based on that rate of iteration, we're going as fast as we can, and we believe that we can take the driver out in uh, a ride uh, or a, um, a constrained environment and, uh, and and demonstrate our electric vehicle capability. Uh, in the meantime, besides announcing that Cadillac's going to be your lead in electric vehicles, you also have announced a new architecture, which will be for China and Brazil and Mexico, as I understand it, yes. not the United States. Tell us about that, why you're doing it. Well, if you look at um, really being customer driven, the customers in those markets, they want uh, the latest technology and they want uh, performance from safety, from connectivity. And so we step back and often those markets are served by older architectures. So we looked and said with the, the scale and the significant share we have in China, the strength that we have in South America and other markets like Mexico, let's do a dedicated uh, new architecture where we can really deliver something special to the customer. And so our, the feedback we've gotten, again, we'll uh, be sharing some of those vehicles today or an early glimpse of those vehicles. I think it's going to be very significant. And we start that rollout uh, uh, later this year in China and that it'll flow to South America, Mexico, and to over 40 countries. As I said, uh, this announcement is a bit of a surprise because it comes against a backdrop of some softness, at least perceived in the automobile uh, marketplace. Uh, we've had some announcements from some competitors about cutting back. Uh, we've had some announcements about uh, maybe some soft sales. How much of your projection in 2019, which is robust, how much of that is the overall size of the market and where the market is, and how much of it is you taking market share and doing better? Well, I think, it, again, in the key markets, whether you look at China, the United States, South America, we think we're very well positioned. In the United States, we're going to have, we, we think the, the market will be in the low 17s. We have the full year of of our new light-duty trucks. We have the uh, the Cadillac XT4. We have the Chevrolet Blazer. Second half of the year, we're going to have our heavy duties. So we have an exceptionally strong product cadence building on our crossovers and our full-size trucks in North America. In China, we have 20 new or, or brand new or refreshed models that we'll be rolling out this year. And we think the market will be about the same. There's, I think, you know, pos positive news coming out of the trade talks. There's uh, talk in China about uh, stimulus from a durable durable goods perspective. So we see an opportunity there. And then in South America, we're starting to see some recovery. And, and South America is where we have a very strong Chevrolet franchise. So when you look at our key markets, we think uh, we're well positioned, not only with where we think the market's going to be, but also the strength of our product portfolio. You mentioned trade. Uh, way back in Q2, second quarter, you had to take down some projections based on concerns about tariffs, as I recall. Uh, as you look into 2019, are your projections based on status quo, on things getting better, on things getting worse? What are you projecting in order to come up with what your forecast is? We really looked at what we think, you know, the current macro environment um, and what we're seeing and what, you know, what out, outside uh, analysts are, are looking at from a, from a macro perspective and then looking and laying on where General Motors is positioned. And that is all built into the guidance that we provided. Uh, so you've had quite a year. This is your investor day. If you go all the way back 365 days ago, there's been a lot that's happened. I mean, certainly with crews, with investments from SoftBank, as well as from Honda, you've made some management changes where you took Dan Ammon from President GM, moved him over to Cruise, brought up uh, Mark Royce, and also announced, as you said, a very fundamental restructuring, which will be difficult to implement. Is that the strategy, and from now on, is it execution, or is there more to be done on the strategy? It's both. We have to remain agile, because some of the, mar of the transformation that we're talking about 
about with EVs and ABs, you know, it's, it's not like anyone knows exactly how that's going to play out. So we have to remain agile. We have to be quick. We have to be lean. So we've got to do both. We've got to execute exceptionally well, but we have to stay agile to, to take uh, twists and turns that are going to happen and seize opportunities. So with respect to electric vehicles, we hear about it a lot, but if you actually look at how many people are acquiring EVs, it's not that high. It's not that high a percentage. When is it coming? I mean, when are we there? Well, you know, I believe the customer is exceptionally rational. So if you look at China, you know, this will be, uh, because of some of the regulatory environment, you'll see, I think, it grow more quickly there. But one of the things we're focused on is if we can have a desirable, profitable, uh, appropriate range anxiety uh, from a range perspective so we don't have range anxiety, we think we can start to create the demand. So for us, we're not only working on the electric vehicle technology itself and the learning, all the learnings from Volt, the Chevrolet Volt and the Chevrolet Bolt, but we're also working on the infrastructure. We made an announcement that will allow us to have the largest uh, you know, charging infrastructure available to our customers. So if, if you continue to solve customer perceived or real pain points with EV, we think that's really going to allow the, uh, the growth to occur. If you look at the industry overall, would we be where we are today with electric vehicles if Tesla had never existed? Did Tesla really spur this or was it going to happen anyway? You know, um, I, I think uh, when I look at EVs, you know, we've been in EVs since EV1 and, you know, in the Chevrolet Volt and really driving uh, to because we knew that technology was important. So I think there's been many important uh, players that have helped uh, from an electric vehicle, and I think you know there's even more coming now, so that's why uh, we have to be quick. Uh, what's the biggest risk you see to your uh, predictions for 2019 as you look forward? What is the thing that worries you, if anything? Well, again, I said our guidance is based on kind of the, the mm -hmm. look of, of the current macroeconomic state, which is not, it's not like it's, it's a complete glass, uh, you know, full or glass completely empty, but looking at that. So if something dramatically changes, if there's a, a, you know, a very sudden shift, then we'll have to reevaluate. But I'm also confident on our, in our team and how we're able to, to seize opportunities and to really mitigate and offset some of the things we, we faced in 18 and what we've been able to demonstrate. That was Mary Barr speaking with our David Weston. You listen into this, obviously. What do you make of kind of the positioning? What is Mary Barra saying? What does she need to be saying to sort of keep this optimism going and, and tamp down some of the skepticism that even you guys are uh, putting out there a little bit? Yeah, so look, she, she makes a good point because they started backing out of some of these lousy markets in 2015 and getting rid of Opal was a big one. There were, in terms of profitability, that was very big addition by subtraction. Opal was a cancer that cost them a billion dollars a year going back to, I think, 1999. So you get rid of that, and yeah, you're a smaller company, but you're one that makes more money because you get rid of this big loser. They started getting rid of vehicles even in the U.S. now that uh, that aren't doing very well. So you basically have boiled the company down to the things that make a lot of money. And then you put in some serious cost cuts on top of that. Uh, you know, look at that. Two and a half billion a year if they get that this year, which is what they're saying. Right. That's worth about a dollar eighty a share, which is about double the improvement in guidance over the street's estimate. So right there, that tells you if they didn't make those cuts, earnings would have been down, which is what everybody was expecting. So credit to GM for getting ahead of the curve. But uh, even the flat market in the U.S. and China is not really what's saving the earnings numbers. It's the cutting. Well, that's interesting, too, Garrett. And I'm, I'm curious how that also plays into your outlook here, because you sound a lot more... Uh, tempered in terms of your view on what we got from GM today? We are. You know, it's it's so early in the year, it's easy to make these projections and and then revise them as the year goes along. Um, 
the truth is no one really knows you know um, exactly how the year is going to play out but uh, when you look at some of their assumptions, just seem a little bit high, um, and we're increasingly seeing data points that suggest that. Just look at Apple's uh, earnings warning last week right. it was entirely due to China. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we're, we're we're fairly cautious and fairly cautious on GM specifically because they have the highest China exposure of the major automakers. Of the 24 Wall Street firms that cover General Motors, 13 now rate the stock a buy and two have it overweight in their portfolios. There is only a single firm which recommends selling. You can see all of these details by going on to WSJ.com and having a look at the section that deals with the data information. The average target that the analysts have for General Motors stocks 12 months hence is $44.14. That's an uplift from around 19% on the current price. If Miss Barra keeps delivering messages like those that she gave on Friday, even that could prove conservative. This has been The Rational Perspective. I'm Alec Hogg. Until the next time, cheerio.